cool. How was your day, Emma? Uh, I've had, like, anxiety throughout the day spiking oh, no. so far. <laughs> uh, AP government's a little stressful. Mm. <laughs> that. Uh, I'm taking my AP world exam tomorrow, too, and I'm like... Uh. I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, my God. Let us remember that we are in the holy presence of God. Righteous Father in heaven, I know that there is a dark force out there that is opposed to you and me. It is an invisible enemy who makes to try to discourage us or use others to do the same. Please help me to recognize when I'm under spiritual attack so that I can be prepared to use the armor that you have provided me. And I also ask for your protection for my family and from those in the local body of Christ. It seems that the world is growing more wicked every day, and it is a lot like Noah's day when all they taught, when all they thought about was doing evil. It is getting harder every day, Lord, to live for you. So help me to resist the temptation to compromise and to stay firm on what I know is true and pay in the glorious name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. St. John Baptist de La Salle. Pray, pray for, for us. us. Live Jesus in our hearts. Forever. Forever. Uh, if you want to start. Uh, okay. Um, hi, my name is Tui Nguyen. I am a sophomore and I represent Asian Cultural Alliance. Uh, hey, I'm Morning Cloud Castellano, otherwise known as Adelina. Uh, I'm currently a senior, and I'm representing for the Polynesian Club. Hi, my name is Emma Liu. I am a senior here at CB, and I am the president of the Asian Cultural Alliance. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, so um, I guess we're here today to kind of discuss about, like, why, why are we, um, you know, the presidents of the cultural clubs, why are we... Um, leading the cultural clubs here at CV. Mm -hmm. um, do you want to start, Adelina? Sure. Uh, for me, I would say my leadership role here at CV started, I want to say, my sophomore year. Uh, I came in freshman year uh, being new to the school, and uh, my cousins at the time were seniors and juniors, and they started the Polynesian Club. And they knew that I grew up dancing and everything, and I kind of am very familiar with the culture. So I decided to join, you know. And it was a very great year. We did the, the luau. We partnered with ACA all the time. And then following year, Emma and I, we took over the clubs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I think we're probably at a point now where we're kind of meshed together, you know. Yeah. And I feel like it also helps, you know, with the collaborative aspect for sure of for the sure. school so it kind of is able to bring everyone together you know share our ideas uh our similarities differences kind of mm -hmm. be able to talk about that so yeah i feel like just keeping a strong community and especially because cb is such a tight enclosed family i feel like it's important to you know keep that tradition alive and keep it going for as long as we can yeah, for sure. So I think, um, I mean, Adelina and I, we're both, we're both, you know, uh, we came in the same year. Uh, we both are the presidents right yes. now. Um, ACA actually was not a club coming into our freshman year. Mm -hmm. um, I'm actually one of the co-founders of ACA. Our other co-founder graduated two years ago. Um, so it's been, it's been amazing to see how much growth we oh, have, yeah, for uh, sure. I think one of the main reasons why I co-founded ACA is because there's we have the BSU, we have La Raza, um, but there wasn't like a formerly a Asian club here on campus, and a big part of 
the CB community is inclusive community. That's one of our LaSalle and core principles. So I think having and establishing that here at CB to create that safe environment is really important for all of us, uh, especially since there's a good number of freshmen this year, I think, that are Asian. Oh, yeah. We got a lot of um, sophomores and freshmen this year that joined ACA. So I don't know. It's just good to see so many like people in our I club. Agree. Yeah, it's crazy. I think um, how many how many people did you have last year? It was really bad for us, I think, over COVID trying to manage yeah uh, all over the new COVID students. it was it was pretty rough because I mean I want to say we had over a hundred people like wow. in the Schoology group mm-hmm. but that actively participated probably about like eight yeah <laughs> I mean I'm the kind of person where I would rather have you know it's always quality over quantity you know sure. I would rather have a good quality running club with five members let's say rather than a hundred people that are kind of just doing it when you know we have potlucks or just kind of doing it just because like their friends are doing it like I want people that or I respect people that are there solely for the purpose of their own being you know like they want to be there in the moment they want to be there to learn they want to be there to engage and we probably had about eight of those people over quarantine and then uh Coming into our senior year, you know, you and I talked a lot over summer about yep. uh, many ideas that we had, yep. things that we wanted to do, things that we wanted to see. And I feel like slowly getting kind of used to everybody being back here on campus at one time. I feel mm-hmm. like everyone's honestly doing a great job at making those things happen. For sure, you know? for sure. You're going to experience a couple bumps in the road, but I mean, it's yeah. going to happen either way. We're going to make it happen the best that we can. Yeah. But um, now I would say we probably have a lot more members. Uh, there's fewer members that want to dance, you know, which is perfectly fine. It doesn't hurt. Uh, our vice presidents, uh, Tuese Rodriguez and Michael Patilla, uh, they don't dance with us, but they're there at every practice, every performance, you know. Um, we also have other females, you know, that I unfortunately haven't been able to meet yet. But I would say we're probably in double digits now. Which is yeah, which is that's better. crazy. Which is better. That's great. Yeah, yeah. That's what about really you good. guys? How I is? I think um, Tui, do you want? Do you remember how many pe- people we have for oh uh, uh, for this year? Yeah, we had mm-hmm. like I remember we filled two pages worth of names. Yeah, I think we got over a hundred members yeah. formally, which was crazy. And then the first meeting, I think to so me, we were talking. We were like, "Oh my gosh, the, there was like so sixty many, people." There were so many people in the, in the room. room. I remember we were all sitting up there, and even my like my board of members, they were like whispering to me, and they're just like, "I've never seen so many people in a room at one time, yeah. especially for a club." And because. I had one of my vice presidents put out that we were having our first meeting collaborating with ACA because, you know, Mm -hmm. our meetings are kind of just together since we Mm -hmm. have the same moderator. And half of the members in there were wanting to participate in the poly club. And I was just like, that's kind of cool. And see, this is why I like how we're able to collab on a lot of things and we're Mm -hmm. able to kind of not be one club. But Emma and I, you were talking, you and I were talking about uh, being one club, but still having our separate individualities yes having our own separate personalities but still being together yes you know to represent for all the islands together as a whole Mm -hmm. which i find is really really special and important because you just look at everyone in the room and you noticed you know how many different nationalities are all there together but to all support as one yes which i think is really important yeah and i think another thing that's really important is that 
all those people, all those like 50 to 60 people in that one room, it was not solely Asian. Like there were other people from different ethnicities and minorities Mm -hmm. also in that. And I think that's really important because there's a bias for sure within the CB community that you have to be exclusively Asian or you have to be Asian in order to be a part of the Asian club, Mm -hmm. which is not true at all. If you're interested in learning more about the culture, I think that's really important and you should still be a part of it because it's a lot of fun. Um, Tui, so you, you're a sophomore. Um, (laughs) what were your thoughts, you know, being a part of the uh, leadership team here at ACA and just like, what were your initial thoughts coming into CB? Well, okay. I did want to add like, that was our most frequent question on club day. Like, do you have to be Asian to join? Like, no, we just want to spread Asian culture and we just want to like, promote like we just want to be really inclusive and we want to just have a space to share our culture and um but yeah on leadership um I don't know I just feel like this year I want to be able to do something like like okay for COVID like last year I came in and it was the pandemic right and then we had the ACA meetings but like I felt like it was always just a one-on-one conversation between like like the meetings weren't just good and I don't know I'm from like Vietnamese background and it sounds weird, but I'm trying to hunt down other Vietnamese (laughs) students, but like I want a place where I can like really share my culture and share everything that I like I've grown up with. Like for Lunar New Year, I I wanted to be a part of leadership so I could help with Lunar New Year. It's called Thut in Vietnamese and like... It's just so big in our culture. It's so important to me. And I just want to be able to share that. And I think that's why I wanted to be in leadership is so that I can bring my own. I can like share with everybody what it means to be Asian and what it means to be proud of my culture. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's just like I feel like with the club, I just feel like it's a really more appropriate like space to share rather than like <laughs> being by myself and just promoting like all For these sure. events and stuff like yeah, I don't, it's just the really, yeah, <laughs> sorry, I'm like getting caught in my words. Yeah, and hopefully we're able to hit that this year. Um, you know, we've been planning for a while now, I want to say since the beginning of the year mm-hmm. for the Lunar New Year Festival. Yeah. Uh, how is the planning going for the Poly Club? Because we're supposed to, you know, do a joint club with Lunar New Year and yes. uh, Lulu Luau. For the Luau, uh, well, ours isn't until, you know, springtime because you know it kind of matches with the theme mm-hmm. but we've slowly been starting to talk about it and uh we think this year because uh i mean half of our club board members are seniors uh we kind of want to make this year big you know since it's our last years and we kind of took the club and rebuilt it back up when my cousins had left and especially i feel like it's even bigger now and it's such a more big of a deal because we're with ACA now and I feel like the collaboration is just so much more tight that I feel like we could do so much more. Uh, My other board members were talking about uh, bringing in all these other sponsors, uh, possibly even having our own halals come to perform with us. Uh, We could do uh, ACA performing with us and I know we even talked about uh, for Lunar New Year possibly having both clubs doing like a tinickling piece together which Mm -hmm. I think that we should do that you know because I think it'd be kind of cool but uh, we were also talking about uh, the seniors that are in ACA and Poly Club. We would do a little hula piece together 
I have not heard of this before. <laughs> <laughs> well, we haven't really brought it up yet because we're not sure. You know, we want to make sure that everyone's comfortable with everything sure. before mm-hmm. we bring it up. But we will bring it up in further meetings. But I feel like right now Lunar New Year is or should be and I feel is on the top of all of our charts right now because especially being a, me being a part of it since freshman year and Annalisa and I performing at the Lunar New Year's, you know, we're excited for this year. And uh, you guys should definitely come to the Lunar New Year celebration because <laughs> we have so many great performances. Yeah. Totally not promoting our own events. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Lunar New Year Festival uh, will be held on February during the Activity Wednesday. That's yes. the first week. Uh, so something definitely look forward to. Uh, something else ACA has done for CB, it's not really televised or, you know, broadcasted, but we did help decorate the um, the admin hall a little bit. Uh, you probably have seen all the Christmas trees and, like, opportunities to put presents underneath the Christmas trees. Um, but we did uh, make some stars uh, mm-hmm. to help celebrate the Filipino Christmas. Unfortunately, we did not get an... Uh, a more like formal event gathered due to finals happening. It was, but we I feel s- like everything was rushed. Yeah, it was a little bit rushed. Um, there were some issues that happened back s- behind the scenes, but we still wanted to be able to do something for the community. So we did make some stars and we hope to include a Filipino Christmas celebration more in the future. But again, things to look forward to Lunar New Year, Luau, and we hope to do something for AAPI month, which yes. is in May. Yes. Uh, so, let's see. Mm, what else do you guys want to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> Should we move on to, like, um, inclusiveness and how we personally feel about being yes. in, like, I don't know, yeah. Yes, sure. <laughs> so we could acknowledge, you know, what does belonging look like to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, to sorry. if you want to kick us oh, off. Oh, okay, um, I'll start, I guess. So, really, um... I don't know. Okay, I'm just going to kind of go into a small tangent. But, (laughs) like, growing up, I always didn't have, like, I was just always that one Asian kid, you know? Mm -hmm. I was just like, ugh, it's like, I'm bringing back past memories. (laughs) But, yeah, just, like, growing up Asian and being at school, I just, like, always felt like I wasn't really, I don't know. I just wasn't, I was white, obviously. I I just felt like I was just different, you know? And, like, you know, there's the classic... One time I brought fish sauce to school and then everyone said it stunk. And then like, oh yeah, and then I just I've never wanted, I've never wanted to bring Asian food to school. I just always felt like I never could really embrace my culture growing up. Mm-hmm. And I like, even with my name, Twee, like I've always growing up, I always wanted to have an American name and I never really liked my name. I, I hated my name because it was in Vietnamese and everyone butchered it. I just wanted to be quote unquote normal. Mm-hmm. But then growing up and having a more open mind with things, I like I've learned like okay I am normal it's just other people have to adapt to me you know I am normal so like and then freshman year Eileen DM'd me saying oh there's an ACA club you should join and I'm like what this exists (laughs) I can hang out with other Asians This this is great so yeah and then like I don't know just having like that sense that like wow other people are interested in my culture they're interested in me they're interested in my values like and what it means to be asian like i was like heck yeah i'm joining like, hey, <laughs> so that was like really my whole thing with it i was just scared that like at cb you know it's a lot of people it's high school mm-hmm. i just was scared that i didn't fit in 
because I'm Asian. But then I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, there's literally a club for Asians. It's like perfect. <laughs> yeah. So um, besides that, you know, learning about like La Raza, that's so cool. And then um, BSB, right? BSU. BSU. BC, sorry. BC, it's okay. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, just having ACA, like, just as a space designated for us to be proud of our culture and, like, own it, mm-hmm. it's, like, really, really great. And I'm mm-hmm. really glad I found the club. And, yeah, yeah. I'm glad we were able to create that space for you because that's entirely the reason why I wanted to help create this club. Yeah. I feel like that's also a sole purpose for any of the ethnic clubs that we have here you know being able to create a safe space where people could you know talk to others that are like them that have gone through problems like them or that have kind of gone through their own trials and tribulations but you're still able to relate even if you have not personally gone through them you know Mm -hmm. I feel like just being able to create that safe space for anyone really is the most important because, I mean, throughout my past three years at CB, I've taken, you know, religion all three years, and I'm still taking religion now. They always ask, you know, what do you feel? There's always that one question of what LaSallean core principle do you feel is the most important? Mm -hmm. And I always answer, and I say it's inclusive community, you know, because inclusive community, it also ties in all the other four core principles as well. But because CB is just so adamant and just so, you know, hardcore pounding about making sure that everyone feels like they belong. Yeah. I feel like that's really something that sticks out about the mm-hmm. core principle itself. Oh, and yeah, I feel like I had that when Island for CME. I was like, there's an Asian club. I just felt like there was an opportunity for me to feel like I belonged yes. to a club mm-hmm. and to a group of people that really like cared. And yeah, <laughs> exactly. Emma? Yeah, I think, well... I also agree that inclusive community is like probably the biggest factor of why we created the cultural clubs here. And I think that's also one of the reasons why I chose CB. Coming from a public high school that was actually predominantly Asian, it was very competitive and almost toxic, if you will, with the amount of competitiveness. And having the support of the CB staff, uh, creating the community of ACA, and having other students who actually support me and embrace my Asianness, if you will, um, I think that was really helpful to the growth as an individual, my own growth, and also, you know, having supporting others as well. So that aspect is really important to me. And I hope that it sounds like, at least for you to be, that we were able to create that. And that's, again, yeah. what we hope to have. Like, even, like, it's kind of like a thing, like, my race and like being Asian is just something that I always felt like wasn't really important but Mm -hmm. like now coming into high school and like like be like I said being more open-minded I realized like no this is what makes me who I am and I should embrace it and the club helps me embrace that Mm -hmm. as an individual out of curiosity maybe this is just me but I think I had like going into like doing all these college essays (laughs) to be honest I kind of realized like I might have had like an identity crisis at some point did that ever happen to any of you guys? Oh gosh, yes, terribly. <laughs> I kind of. I guess I'll talk about mine. You know, if you're if you're uh, comfortable. Yo, yeah. Uh, for me, um, I went to uh, a predominantly Mexican middle school, uh, St. Patrick's, right down the street. Uh, majority of us, we were Mexican. Uh, there were a couple Asians, you know, but we were predominantly just Mexican. And I say we because, you know, I'm 
three different nationalities, so I have many standpoints to speak from. But uh, personally, I feel like everyone was uh, accepting at my middle school, and especially because, you know, going to the same grade school, junior high, middle school, like, it was the same kids since I was in, I want to say, first grade. And then I have very few friends that have stuck around since kindergarten. And the only close friend that I kept from grade school is Michael Patilla. Uh, he's a senior, also the vice president of the Polynesian Club. And uh, he's also a member of ACA. Um, going into the identity crisis question, uh, it doesn't really tie into my Mexican or my Asian side, but more or less uh, my Native American side, if that's okay to talk about, Mr. Lodi. Okay. Um, I'm representing, you know, for the Asians today, but I'm going to kind of give a little bit of background to what it's like being uh, a Native American, because I feel like uh, even though it's focusing on my other nationality, uh, maybe you guys might have felt it the same way, you know? Yeah. Uh, being one of the only Native Americans in a school, minus my sister, um, a lot of trouble, I would say. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, what's the word? Would you say stigma? Stigma, yes. Uh, there's a lot of, what's the word when it, there's a uh, stereotype? That's the mm. word. There were a lot of stereotypes, you know, that were already made in people's head. Uh, coming into a much bigger school with over 300 kids, you know, from different schools, they already had their cliques, already had their groups, you know, coming in freshman year. Uh, I had a lot of friends coming into CB, and also that being because I played volleyball here, I played basketball here, and then I'm currently uh, a track athlete here at CB. So obviously, you know, being between all those different, you know, um, teams and then being in, involved in many different clubs, your different classes that you go in and out of, like you're going to make friends in all your different communities. Um, I had an identity crisis, I want to say my sophomore and junior year, both of those years tied together. So tie with quarantine, uh, I remember just one day breaking down to my mom and it was at a point where I didn't want to talk to anyone. I wouldn't want to go outside. And I mean, quarantine, you can't really go outside. Yeah. But, you know, it was when it was being lifted a little bit more. And I just felt like I had no purpose to be here. Like, there was no reason for me to even be here at all. And my mom and dad sat me down with my sister, and they're just like, it's going to be different for you guys. And they're just like, because you're not just a Mexican. You're not just an Asian, you know. You're not just Filipino you're also Native American. And they're just like, people are going to say things when they first see you. You know, you're always going to make your your judgment when you look at someone. You can't, it's, it's a self-conscious thing. You can't just walk up to someone and you can't just not think something off the top of your head. You know, like you could walk up to someone in ACA and you could just be like, I wonder what part of Asia their family origin from. Or I wonder if they're Chinese or Japanese, or I wonder this and this and that, you know, it's always going to pop up in your head, but you're not going to make straight stereotypes towards a person, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. But like, I just felt like because I was Native American and I take so much pride in my Native American culture, I just felt like people were going to see me so much differently than just also being mixed with Mexican and Asian. And I'm going to talk about a little bit of a personal experience that happened to me in the beginning of the school year. Um, 
I have a, or I had a pin on my backpack that was for the MMIW, which if you don't know, stands for Missing Murdered Indigenous Woman. And I've had that pin on my backpack ever since I want to say sixth or seventh grade. And it was like one of my most favorite pins ever. And a student came up behind me, grabbed the pin off my backpack, stood in front of me and called me some very, very derogatory names, which I will not share just because, you know, I don't want to have to bleep anything out. But I'll just say they were very derogatory names. And I was stuck. I felt my heart sink to the bottom of my body. And I was just like, did this really just happen? And I stood in the hallway for two or three minutes with everyone just walking past me, brushing their shoulders against me. And I was just like, what? And I started to look around and I felt like I started to gain consciousness back. And I was just like, did no one else just see what happened? So tying in with this question of what does belonging look like to you, in that moment, I felt like that question was irrelevant. I felt like I was irrelevant for that five minutes just standing there because I was just like, no one or everyone standing right here is pretending like it never happened. Oh, we I'm do so care. Sorry. Which, no, it's okay. And it's like, it's not something that I got on myself about. But for a moment in time, I really felt like, what happened to inclusive community? I have never experienced something this badly in my life where I had to go home and I told my mom I was just like why am I still at this school I was just like no one's done nothing and unfortunately we couldn't do anything about it because we couldn't find who the student was but I mean like inclusive community and making everyone feel like they belong at a school is something that's so prioritized and something that's so projected here in each classroom by every lesson, every teaching. And I just felt like all that went out the window mm -hmm. and it wasn't even addressed. And it's something that I'm going to live with for the rest of my life because as a young Native American woman that is an advocate for the Native American community, Native American community, and I'm very strong in that, I felt like all my power was taken away from me for a moment in time. And I was just like, wow. But you wake up the next day and I got it together just like that. And now I've just been on this constant grind to show that, you know, my life matters just as much as the person next to me. No matter what background you come from, no matter if you're a, a transfer student, if you're a, a student that's studying abroad, no matter what color your skin is, how tall or short you are, how small or big your eyes are, like it does not matter. Everyone should be treated equal and everyone should be the same because we were all given an opportunity to walk this earth in the first place. So why knock someone down because of your own ego when you could just walk with them and hold their hand and help them get to where they got to go while you're also doing what you got to do? You know what I'm saying? Man, I feel so uplifted. I know. <laughs> that was amazing. Yeah. No, I'm oh. so sorry that happened to you. That That's awful. I wish I would have been there mm -hmm. and saw that happen so I could have been there to support you in that Thank because you. that's not okay. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't believe that happened. Uh, just only, your story just now just only emphasizes why it is so important for us to have that community here mm -hmm. at CB because any kind, of, any kind of any community. Any kind of community. Exactly. Um, we're just speaking on the behalf of ACA and Poly yes. Club, though, specifically. But mm -hmm. just any community. That's why it's so important to have those connections, those friendships, and really stand together. Yeah. 
I'm so sorry. No, it's okay. It's really nothing to be, I don't want to use the word shunned upon, but it's really not a topic to be so sorrowful for. And it's not a topic to be, you know, sad about. I feel like it's a topic that you could use to help uplift other people. For sure. You know, it's definitely a story that I could use in five, ten years from now when I have my own family, you know, and tell them like, hey, you know, like this has happened to me before. And if something like this happens to you, you know, don't be afraid to use your voice. You know, it's better to speak up and speak out about something rather than stay quiet. Because if you stay quiet, what's going to happen about the situation? Nothing. Nothing. And you can't sit there and cry about it because you didn't do anything about it. Exactly. I think that's only, you know, that's made you a stronger person, I would Mm -hmm. say, as well. I Actually, Tweed, do you have an identity crisis story? Um, I don't, I wouldn't say I, oh, my stomach, I'm so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I want to say, not a crisis, but I've always, I felt ashamed being Asian. It's just like, okay, with the whole pandemic and, you know, the whole racism against Asians, Yes. I feel like I was always, I was just scared for my grandparents. I was scared for like my elderly family members because mm-hmm. we as Asians have just been reduced to Ching Chong and we've just been reduced yep. to the coronavirus and we've just been yeah. reduced to, we've just been minimized. And yep. I just feel like we're not really able to show, like, we're not able to represent our cultures when we're just like so, like, there's so much backlash against us mm-hmm. for something we are not even responsible for. Yes. It's kind of insane, you know? How some uh, how ignorant some people can be mm-hmm. and that's the thing i was going to talk about racism but you already you already got sorry <laughs> <laughs> oh well no please touch on those topics yeah, yeah. Well, sure. talk about it one time this was when the demon slayer movie came out and uh, i went to go see it mm-hmm. good movie remember. by the way 10 out of 10 yeah, yeah <laughs> go, go, go check out yeah go check out the demon slayer movie but yeah my family and i went to go eat and we were like at a patio and then um and like we were eating, right? We were waiting for our food and it was outside. It was like kind of like on a walkway, sidewalk road, you know? And like, yeah. And then there's these like, these people that were like messing around with this homeless guy, you know, they were like messing with like drugs and stuff. I'm not gonna get into too much detail about them, but my mom told them off. She's like, hey, my kids are here. Please go like somewhere else and like do whatever, right? I, I, you guys are making me uncomfortable. You're making my family uncomfortable. And then this guy just proceeds to like just call my mom every racial slur in the book. Like, I'm like, and he calls our family. Like, like it's like me and like my eight relatives. Your it's family. like all my yeah. whole family. Mm-hmm. And he's just calling us like all these racial names. And he's just being so derogatory. Ignorant. But, in ignorant and like in the moment i wasn't even offended i was just like i was hysterical i'm like this is so funny this guy thinks he his words mean something to me yeah honestly mm-hmm. like i just felt like mind over matter mind yeah over matter. i'm just like watching this guy i'm like he's embarrassing himself he's digging himself a grave right now mm-hmm. and like being able to no longer be scared of like my race and no longer be scared of how other people are gonna react towards me and like act towards me i just feel like i've really truly embraced what it means to be Asian, what it means to own my identity and my culture. And I want to say that's my whole identity crisis thing. It's me being able to live up to being Vietnamese, being Asian, owning mm-hmm. it, and being proud of my culture. And I'm not going to, I'm going to keep emphasizing that. I'm proud of you. And I that's, like, that's good. And especially you're only a sophomore. I feel yeah. like I've, I haven't known you for that long. I haven't gotten to personally know you, but yeah. coming from... A senior myself and hopefully Emma can relate to what I'm about to say but you are very mature from your age uh, I would say that you're very good at 
using your words and you're really good at projecting what you feel is most important to you and your own goals your <laughs> thank own you, thank um you. <laughs> uh what's the word i'm like drawing a blank here uh, uh, your beliefs yes. what you believe in what you're confident in you're really good at projecting those and i feel like someone like you is really going to be able to leave a big mark on this school when oh, Emma and I you. leave. Yeah. So I, I say I, I, I leave all my trust in you, Tui. Thank you. I leave you. my trust yeah. in you. Yeah, I mean, I want to say the club helped me with that, especially because, again, it's like a space designed for me to be proud and yes, a space be yourself. to be belong. Like, even, like, with the flag, like, I asked you to get the flag, and I just, once I saw it in your office, I almost, like, started crying because <laughs> oh. I was like... Hashtag Team oh, Alerty. That's my flag. <laughs> That's my culture. Oh my god, that's my country. Oh my god, yes. Yeah. Oh, the flag. Okay, so in the language hallway, for context, there's like we have all those flags, and the Vietnamese flag that's up is the red flag with the yellow star, mm-hmm. and it's it all goes back to like the Vietnam War, I believe, and it's like I, I'm not too I'm not too knowledgeable on it, but from what my dad's told me, it's like the North and the South flag. And the North flag is communist and the Southern flag is Republic. Okay. Also like a big reason why a lot of old gen Vietnamese people are Republicans is because there's just like the diaspora in Vietnam. We're just taught to believe that like the Republican side, like the Republican side helped us. They helped send the army over to help Southern Vietnam, like become its own entity other than like besides joining communist Northern Vietnam. So the red flag with the yellow star, my family and every Southern Vietnamese person, we do not associate with that flag because of what it represents. Like, like people have, Vietnamese people have died over that flag. We've, ah, I'm going to tear up. Okay. <laughs> Vietnamese people, we've, we've learned to create our own identity and our own sense of like we are we are ourselves we're not we're not associated with northern vietnamese people or i wouldn't say that but like we're not associated with the communist side of north of vietnam Mm -hmm. so seeing like i asked mr lordy i was like hey you know and i told him everything and i was like yeah you know uh this flag isn't really cool uh can you can you get this one he goes and I was, I was expecting, if I'm being honest, I was expecting you to say, oh, no, we're just going to keep it up there, you know. But then he was like, oh, yeah, sure, I'll get it. It gives me an excuse to use my credit card. And I was like, <laughs> and I was Amazon like, Prime purchase. <laughs> and, and I was like, oh, my God, he's actually going to get the yellow flag with the three red stripes. Mm-hmm. So just seeing this flag here, I'm like, yes. It's props like, to Mr. Lordy. Props, yes, props. The flag was the very first purchase I made with my... My school credit card. Yes, yes. But yeah, just like, just seeing my country being properly represented, it's Mm -hmm. like... It's overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's like, I'm getting very overwhelmed right now, just being able to see it, Mm because... That's good. Yeah. yeah. Those I are good f- emotions. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's like so. very, very proud. Very yes. proud. Yes. Because it means so much to you. It yes. does. It Honestly, like, I feel like p- other people see it as trivial and it's not really something to make a big deal of. But like, no, bro, my family came over from Vietnam on boats. Mm-hmm. They came over here to start new lives in America. And this flag represents that. It represents so much more than two colors, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's yeah, I'm really glad that we have the flags in the hallway. Sorry, yeah. I didn't mean to cut you oh, off. No. But no, you're fine. I'm, I'm glad that we have, you know, the culture's flags in the hallway, especially in the language hallway. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's uh, 
it's an image where it speaks more than just what it is, you know? It shows how, again, inclusive of a community that we are, and I feel like it helps tie everyone together, you know? Yeah. yeah. I think people kind of underestimate how important or how big of a factor culture is in one's identity. Yes. Um, it really influences who we are, and mm-hmm. especially, you know, hearing Tui's story. Yeah. I think that really shows that through. I that. agree. Can I ask a question? We live really close to what's called Little Sister, maybe Southern Vietnamese. Yes. Okay. So I would say most of the Ameri- uh, Vietnamese Americans were all Southern Vietnamese. Wherever you see this flag, if you drive by like a Lee sandwich or literally any own Vietnamese place, like we're going to have this flag up just to show that we, it's just like, it, it's not offensive at all. It's like, just yeah. like, it's like having little New York or something. It's, it's not, it's <laughs> nothing really offensive. It's just like, yeah, it, it's not big. Being able to be your guys' own individuals. Yeah, we're just, yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's important. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. What about you, Emma? Do you want to talk? Well, I'm not really sure whether this counts as like an identity I think anything that we talk about, you know, it it (laughs) kind of is sparking different conversations. Yeah, for sure. 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 I think in my, when I was writing my college, I was talking a little bit earlier how when I was writing my college essays, I kind of realized that I had like this, I don't know if it's would be labeled under identity crisis per se, but mm-hmm. I definitely, there was a point in time in like middle school into high school that I felt like I didn't really, I felt isolated. I didn't feel right in, oh, <laughs> in sophomore year, at the end of sophomore year going into COVID, um, as Tui mentioned earlier, there was the AAPI hate going on. Yeah. And I think, I, you know, hearing some of my classmates talk about that, I just felt really scared, like, like Tui. Um, although I'm, I'm actually Chinese-American or Taiwanese-American, if you want to be more specific. Okay. And hearing all the stories and seeing the articles that were happening to the elderly community, especially, like, one example would be the one in San Francisco and how some kids have just, like, completely... I don't want to say attacked almost, but just really ag- being really aggressive to the, our elders and, you know, just knowing that in our faith or not faith in our um, culture, you know, respecting our elders and um, giving back to them and almost thanking them for all the things that they've sacrificed for us. Oh yeah. Filial piety. It's mm-hmm. like a big thing. It's like, respect yeah. your elders. We, yeah. we, worked, we worked so hard for you. Yeah. <laughs> so just seeing that and seeing the disrespect, um, that really scared me. I have relatives that are in the East coast and in New York specifically, and hearing all the chaos that was happening, that terrified me. Um, the thought, a couple of times the thought happened of what happens if I don't get to see my grandparents again because they've been attacked and I can't do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, have I done enough to really be there for them and really be with my family? And that kind of just, that was terrifying for me. Um, going back to more of the identity crisis though, I think always growing up, I was kind of like, Again, going coming from like a middle school that was predominantly Asian, there was always this competition to be competent. There, I think there's a stereotype that, you know, has, has anyone heard of like the A's for average kind yeah. of? Yeah. So that kind of got to me, and I would say arguably sometimes still affects me. Um, but it was really in that moment in eighth grade, coming into ninth grade, I was like, oh my gosh, like I feel the need to fulfill this standard. Um, and then I went to... 
over the summer of 2019, I went abroad uh, and I visited Taiwan and kind of got to know my roots more. And I met amazing people throughout the whole world. I don't really talk to them, unfortunately. I hope to maybe one day and reconnect with them. But mm -hmm. I met people from like France, Germany, Japan, um, UK. It was, it was crazy to see how many people could be together from different parts of the world and all still be Asian. And I found a community and I felt like I was finally like at peace with myself. I didn't have to feel the need to fulfill like being too Asian in America or too American almost. Mm -hmm. Being a person who does soccer, that's not very, you know, stereotypical of an Asian, if you will, because there's these stereotypes of Asians are all smart. Asians do community service. Oh, you know, it's like right? the whole thing with like Asians going up to be a doctor. It's yeah. just been yeah. ingrained in us because that's the one way you right. can turn it around yeah. in a generation of like agree. the mm -hmm. status of one's family. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that was kind of what I've been battling. And I would argue I still am battling to an extent because going into college, it's like, well, do I really want to go into business and like pursue business? Or should I just go back into the stereotypical, oh, well, I can be a doctor because my parents are doctors and that's what's safe, yeah. rather. So it's an ongoing battle. But mm -hmm. I would say overall, just being able to go back to Taiwan and seeing these people and meeting these people and having ACA and coming back into ACA um, end of, I think, into my sophomore year, just coming almost reborn and hopeful and excited to be a part and create a community I think that was, that's kind of my story. I that's, just feel that's good. better. Yeah, I love that. That's a cute story. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would say going off of what Twee said about the whole, you know, Asians becoming doctors stereotype. Um, my parents are not doctors. Uh, I'm glad that my parents were kind of able to end that cycle of not becoming you know doctors and especially with uh i don't want to say like my little sister because everyone knows she's not that she's only a year younger than me so she's <laughs> not really a little sister and especially she's taller than me that's <laughs> not the point but um like my mom and dad have uh really they're the type of parents where you know you do what you make what makes you happy you know they just want to make sure that you know their kids are going to be cared for you know which is any parents thoughts you know they yeah. want the best for their kids they know the best for their kids but uh growing up my parents actually uh kind of pushed for my sister and I to not get so involved into the doctor field and the medical field because they didn't want people to just think that my sister and I were being another stereotype because mm. you know you go into a hospital you go into a doctor's you just see like Asians you see Filipinos you know my own uh child pediatrician doctor growing up my whole life is my aunt <laughs> my aunts <laughs> which I think is kind of cool um but you know my my parents they wanted my sister and I to finally break that cycle and kind of mm -hmm. show that you know as Native American Asian Mexican American women we can be seen as more than that we can do more than that uh you know so far I've been accepted into Humboldt State University Thank Congrats. you. Congrats. Uh, Sac State, yeah. William Jessup, and Fresno. Uh, and I got accepted for software engineering. Oh, wow. So that's a big step, you know. That's amazing. Uh, my cousin, actually, on my dad's side, we started this little joke, women in STEM. And uh, 
it kind of started, we were building these little Lego sets, and then we were just like, okay, look at us, women in STEM, you know, making <laughs> little jokes. But I kind of took that, and I say it every single day, and I kind of make it a, a daily affirmation, if you will. You know, being a mixed women in this community, you know, Mm-hmm. being able to go into the engineering field even having the opportunity even having the dream of it starting in the first place is such a big deal and it's such a big opportunity because you know I'm finally going to be able to be seen more than just a female I'm yeah. going to be able to be seen more than just someone that should have gone into the medical field you know mm-hmm. and I feel like especially with uh, engineering being such a male dominated you know uh, not object, it's not a thing, uh, subject, I feel like it's really, really powerful. And I hope that it sparks an inspiration for other women like me, you know, mm-hmm. different nationalities and all to go into the field and say, hey, I could do this just as much as he can, yeah. you know, which I feel is really important. Like, go out and do whatever you want to do. And if people try and knock you down about it, just get right back up and do it again, you know, because yeah. there's no stop. Like, stop is just not in the vocabulary. Can't is not in the vocabulary. Like, you can do it. Mm-hmm. You're the only one who can stop yourself from doing yeah. it. You are um, your own worst enemy, and exactly. for sure. Yeah. On um, women in STEM, um, I wanted to say, it might not seem appropriate at first, but it's like, I saw a sign at a protest once. It was like, anything he can do, I can do bleeding, you know? And that, like, really, like, periods, you know? Mm-hmm. And that, like, really resonated in me. I'm like that is right i can do whatever he can it's Mm -hmm. just like except that just i'm just like the best women are the best yes and it's not like women of color too it's Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. yeah also there was a rupee car poem i wanted to share um give me give me a second i'm I'm gonna pull it up it's about um women of color since we're on that topic Kind of just a quick question for you guys. Did you feel that there were a lot of like Asian American women just for as like a role model or leader for you growing up? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Love the blank stares. Um, I mean, my mom, my grandma. I was gonna say my mom. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, I was gonna say I. Of course, I would say our parents, mm-hmm. our mothers, for but sure. But outside. I was, yeah, outside. <laughs> what about you? You answer that while we think about it over I mean, here. <laughs> no, th- that's the thing. There wasn't mm-hmm. for me. Um, that was a I, good question. Wow. Yeah, because, like, I have my mom. Of course, we all have our mothers mm-hmm. kind of influencing us and guiding us and being strong and independent and in how we are now. True. Um, I think... Luckily for the new generation, though, I think there's a lot more Asian-American women taking the leadership and taking the initiative, for sure. And, I mean, we can just literally talk about, this is more of just Asian, the API movement in general, but Mm -hmm. having Asian representation in movies, for example, that is huge. Shang-Chi being the first Asian Mm -hmm. Marvel movie. Yeah, that's huge. And I think that's, we're already, you know, our society, America is already taking the next steps to really having that inclusivity and not making it strictly like Asians are a minority group anymore that we are just more than like the stereotypes we talked about earlier we are more than Lucy Liu actresses yes oh my goodness (laughs) no no hint to Lucy Liu like I love her oh yeah for sure okay I got the poem pulled up all right um Rupi Carr our backs tell the stories no books have the spine to carry women of color Mm. yeah and that's so good you should send I, that to me. I'm just saying. 
That's yeah. So good. Like, I just feel like we work so hard and it pays off. That's mm-hmm. just the thing. It's so satisfying to see Asians. It's like Kamala Harris. It's like yeah. seeing her yes. be vice president. Like, I'm like, wow, that's an Asian. Let's go. Yeah. Ah, she's mm-hmm. a woman. Like, of color, yeah. too. Like, it's just so, I get so hyped, you know, just mm-hmm. thinking about just strong Asian women and strong women of color in general. Like, yeah, it's just like so amazing to see. Yeah, I don't know about you, Addy, but I think that's something that I hope to bring to the college experience, too, on the next level. We're starting that here at CB. I hope, Twee, maybe you and your class and the future generations can further that. Um, I think I would say, Addy, that's probably a mission we'd like to entrust to them. Yes, yes. Oh, gosh, no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no pressure, We have faith Twee, in you, we have faith in you. We do. I mean, obviously, uh, we wouldn't be in the position you know, that we're in right now, if we didn't have that faith in you, if we didn't (laughs) want to engrave that trust in you. I would say even uh, next year when I graduate, I'm leaving the club to my little sister and her best friend, Eliza Lopez. Uh, I've gotten to know, I mean, I live with my sister, so obviously (laughs) I get to know things about her every day. But my sister's best friend, EJ, I've learned so much about them too, uh, over the past three years of being here and with them being here with me as well. And I feel like them and Twee, I feel like I really can trust that, you know, you guys will fully bring the clubs together. Because Emma and I were talking about how hopefully by next year, the clubs will be more meshed, but still keeping that individuality, still keeping that personality that, yes, although we are one club representing for all the islands as a whole, we're still going to keep them separate just so that, you know, uh, things don't get tied. You know, we want things to be tied. You know, we want everyone to be able to uh, be able to connect with their similarities and their differences, but also still giving that respect to the individual person, being able to represent their own flag their own people, their own ancestors, you know. So I feel like I really do leave that trust to you guys next year. And you'll be a junior. They'll be seniors. Uh, and then will be junior. <laughs> too soon, too soon. Too soon, sorry. <laughs> but, I mean, geez, finals already? Like, ah. It's kind of... I'm going to miss you guys. Ugh, this is like hey, a weird... Hey, stop. We're, 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 only, ha- we're stop. only halfway. We're <laughs> only halfway. halfway. This is like a weird emotional roller coaster podcast. Like we talk, mm-hmm. gets really emotional, yeah. <laughs> we crack a joke. I'm glad that we're able to be vulnerable like that with each other though, you know, because I feel like there's a lot of people that uh, can't keep that vulnerableness and they don't have that, uh, what is it, that uh, the trust with each other, you know. Mm. I... I can sit here and confidently say that, you know, I may know Emma more on a personal level than I Mm -hmm. do with you, Twee, but there's just something about being with people and, like, the energy being so positive and uplifting and just being able to understand where each of us have come from with our backgrounds, and I feel like that's what is creating this safe space. Mm -hmm. And we have Mr. Lordy, you know. Yes, of course. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I really like, I think this this is a good group. And I feel like we're able to be vulnerable with each other and connect with each other because we all are Asian. We all share the same similar stories Mm -hmm. and we are able to just relate, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Empathy, is it? Empathetic, yes. 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 Yeah. Mm -hmm. Learned that one in your religion class, sophomore year, Mr. (laughs) Lodi. Let's see. Anything else that you guys want to I think we hit most of the bases. Yeah. Oh, I wanted to say on the Asians not being doctors anymore thing. I wanted to say, how funny would it be to, like, like all the kids growing up, I have to be a doctor, I have to be a scientist, I have to be something mm-hmm. that makes a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And then these parents 
kids, you don't have to be doctors anymore. Yeah. Like, how can when Gen Z things? becomes parents? That's what I'm most scared for. Because mm. <laughs> uh, we will always be young at heart, no matter how old we get. Oh yeah. God. Actually, I, I was gonna add to that. Um, my parents actually surprisingly also do not emphasize that I have to be like a doctor or in the STEM field. I think that's very surprising. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents are both immigrants. My dad came from Canada. Uh, his when my grandparents went to Canada, they were from Taiwan. My mom immigrated from Taiwan. I want to say se- second grade. Mm-hmm. So it's very interesting to see how drastically I guess our families like. I I don't want to say philosophy is, but how it's shifted and how it's changed. Mm -hmm. I think that's, it's nice and it's a pleasant surprise, I think. So Mm -hmm. hopefully a lot of people still don't feel that way, that they have to be a specific thing, one thing or another. That's pretty funny because my family's the opposite. Oh, really? It's it's all, well, my dad, I I don't know. He, I think he's, I don't don't know the terminology, but he's a first gen immigrant or I'm first gen or whatever. He actually came here from Vietnam on a boat when he was Mm. six. Okay. Mm. And like my grandma, you know, they were actually my dad and my grandma on my dad's side and my, my grandfather who's now passed away, unfortunately. um, They were the first Vietnamese immigrants to purchase a house in Sacramento. So like, that's that's kind of cool. Props to them. That's cool. But yeah, they, my grandma and my mom, sometimes my mom, she's just like, you guys, you just have to make a lot of money. I don't care what it is. Just make a lot of money and mm-hmm. take care of us when we're old. And I've just always had to, I've, I still am like, I'm just growing up and thinking about colleges and where to go. I just like, ha- I just have that in my head. I have to take care of my family. I have to make a lot of money. I have to prove to them that I, that I'm, I'm not just, you know, I'm not a mm-hmm. useless kid. I have to mm-hmm. prove to them that I can take care of them. Yeah. And that's a big part of Asian culture. I feel mm-hmm. like you have to show that. Filial piety. Yeah, yeah. yeah filial piety. Filial you have piety. To, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. You have to, like, show that you're capable of maintaining the family. Yeah. You have to show that you're capable of that. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that definitely happened to me. Uh, more recently, over quarantine, my grandpa got sick. Uh, he got cancer. Um, thank gosh he's doing a lot better now. Um, but that thought, again, came through my head did I spend enough time with him? What if this happens to my family? Uh, What if this happens to my brother or my cousins? Mm -hmm. What am I going to do? Am I going to be able to be there and be able to give them the same amount of guidance my mom was able to give my grandpa because she's an oncologist and she knows kind of a little bit more about cancer? Mm -hmm. Am I going to be able to do that? Uh, Do I have to, should I, should I, and do I have to take that step into the medical field so I can ensure the safety of my family? So I think I just kind of resonate with that. We're just all very conflicted, I feel like. Yeah. yeah. I, I could definitely agree with that, Emma, because uh, I want to say right before quarantine, uh, my Lola got sick, mm-hmm. my dad's mom. And uh, she gets better, and then she gets worse. She gets better. It's kind of going back and yeah. forth, you know. And it was just a click for the whole family that, like, like it, reality's really kicking in, you yeah. know. And she, you know, we all call her mom. We all call her Nanai. Because uh, all the cousins growing up, she'd babysit all of us. And there's like seven or eight of us. And we're all one year apart from each other. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like she had this just big group of grandkids. All the parents went to work. And like, she basically raised us. That's why we call her mom. That's why we call her Nanai. And she got sick. Everyone gathered at the hospital. And it was the first time that 
we were all emotional towards each other because on with my mom's family, we're more of a physical touch. Uh, words of affirmation, mm-hmm. but with my dad's side, it's not so much. It's just uh, I don't want to say uh, like an uncomfortable thing, but it's just something that you know we didn't really do. We're more uh, they're more of like quality time, you know, just yes. being able to be yes. with the family together at dinners and birthdays, holidays, whatever. You know, that was how we showed our love towards each other without saying or doing anything. You know, and uh, it was the first time actually that I had hugged my older cousin in a while because we don't ever hug and things like that. It just kind of seemed unnatural. And it's the first time that we had hugged and just crying in each other's arms. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, we all realized sitting in the hospital, like something could happen to our Lola. And like that would break, that would literally break everyone because she raised the whole family basically. And plus everyone lives on the same street, you know? So we all figured like something could happen tonight. Something could not happen tonight. Mm -hmm. She was in a coma for a couple days. She woke up. Uh, She had to go through some speech therapy, but, you know, everything is fine. She tries to go out and start cleaning and being doing all these active things. And we're just like, Mom, if you don't go sit down, please. But uh, every weekend I go and I help watch uh, my dad uh, take care of her on the weekends. And then weekdays we'll go after school sometimes if I don't have any other obligations to take care of. But I agree with what you say about thinking... Did I spend enough time with this person? Yeah. Did I feel that I fulfilled my my own family duty of taking mm-hmm. care of this person to the most potential that I could? You know, you always have those thoughts of, did I do enough? Yes. Mm-hmm. Am yeah. I sure I did enough? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, knock on wood, some, you know, <laughs> hopefully nothing happens. But, you know, when the time comes of that person passing, all these things will start to fill your mind. I could have done this, 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 yeah. this, this, and then you start regretting everything. Yeah. But I feel like it's important to have that thought of, did I do enough? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. if you think of it after the fact, then you can't go back. Yeah. If you think of it then, you know, all these different things that you have to think of, you could do it in that moment, you know? I mean, you may not be able to go out and do all the things that you could as a kid with that person, but just being there solely in the moment, wholehearted, whole-minded, you know, just mm-hmm. sitting next to them on the couch watching TV. That's what I do. Yeah. Watching our Filipino soap operas on, yeah. on the Let's TV. <laughs> watching all the yeah. drama. Oh, yeah. it's great. <laughs> I wanted to say on the... Have you, like... What was it? Like, last time, I guess. Have you guys ever, like, had to deal with, like, language small, like, language barriers? Like, yes. for example... Yes. I'm, oh, like, my goodness. I'm fluent in Vietnamese for the most part. So I can talk to my elders, like, mm-hmm. in Vietnamese, and it's fine. But my sister and my brother... They know nothing, like, it, or they mm-hmm. don't know nothing, but I can speak to them in Vietnamese and they'll understand me, but they won't know how to respond. Right. That's, like, back because, in the language. Yeah. yeah. So, like, whenever I pass, like, my, my FaceTime call to my sister and I'm like, hey, talk to Om Tam, talk to Grandpa, she just doesn't know how to talk to him because yeah. he'll say something and she'll just be like, oh, yeah, <laughs> and I just feel like, I, I mean, I gotta be more fluent. I can, I can be, I have to, like, I have to keep this to like just connect with mm-hmm. others yeah. you know like my siblings they don't know any vietnamese and mm-hmm. it's like i'm trying to teach them more <laughs> yeah. but good for you that yeah. teaching is hard yeah. first of all i'm it trying is. to teach people Honestly, english right now it's just me yelling at them in vietnamese hoping they'll understand <laughs> yeah <laughs> i agree with that for me i would say i'm not fluent verbally but i'm mm-hmm. fluent with understanding yeah growing up you know watching all the filipino tv shows mm-hmm. and uh uh, just 
you know, watching, observing, and hearing the conversations that go on around you, you kind of start to pick up the mm-hmm. words and you kind of start to pick up the conversation. And that's how I learned. And it was easiest for me. So I'm glad that I have that to connect with my Filipino side. But for my Mexican side, uh, all, all around, really, I understand better than I can speak. I mean, I would be able to kind of give like the basic sentences, you know, and respond back. But being able to hold a full-on conversation I can't do it. So I kind of feel like I had to take on the job of learning the language mm-hmm. and learning to communicate with my family. Because if I were to go to the Philippines with uh, my dad or my mom and go visit my family out in the Batangas, you know, I mean, English is it's the main language spoken over there. But um, just being able to speak Tagalog or Ilocano, you know, it would show that you know, although uh, the Castellanos kids, you know, live in America, they're still tied into their tradition, which not saying that we don't tie into our tradition. You know, we're very familiar with the whole quinceanera and the debut and the language and everything, the prayers. But just being able to speak it back, it's stuttery for me. But yeah. I mean, I feel like it's good at least that I can understand it fluently. So I know what's going on. But I just wish that I could be able to fluently speak it back because I know that uh, it would be important to my family. I know it would mm-hmm. make my family happy. But I feel like, you know, they're just happy that I'm at least able to understand it, you know, and, you know, do what they tell me to do and stuff like that. Yeah, so. I think that also kind of applies to me. Um, growing up, my parents really enforced that I had to learn Chinese. Mm-hmm. Um, going back to that whole, like, identity crisis thing, I actually hated learning Chinese. I was like, why am I learning this? There's no point in me trying to learn this language. Um, Yeah, I understand that my parents are, they speak Mandarin, but I don't understand it. Why do I need to learn this? It's just a waste Mm -hmm. of my time. I could be doing so many other things. And then I realized, again, going back to Taiwan, wow, I feel so, like, I feel different. It's something that connects me to my past, my present, and future. It's that it's so important to me to be able exactly. to speak it. And I think coming back to, you know, again, CB, uh, going into sophomore year, I was like, oh my gosh, like, I'm so excited to learn Chinese again. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we had Chinese, I was taking, preparing for the AP exam at that time. I was like, oh my gosh, I want to be friends with everyone. I want to be friends with the exchange students. Um, there was a lot of exchange students from China at the time. I think that most of them have graduated now, unfortunately. But having... A language and or knowing how to speak the language is important to me and I yeah. think it's important to all of us it sounds like too. yes very mm-hmm. I feel like language barrier at school is also a big thing mm-hmm. uh for me uh my sister and I both started to do uh Tagalog classes on our you know iPad you know Duolingo <laughs> or, uh, or even just uh my dad and the family speaking to us and then we have to say it back to them or answer back to them. Um, people have told me that I've started to pick up the accent, oh, which yeah. is which is a good thing. I'm just like, oh, I have a little, you know, accent now. But yeah. uh, I think it's kind of funny when I like listen to videos of myself talking. I'm just like, oh, I can hear it, and yeah. I didn't sound like that two years ago. <laughs> that, honestly, that's my sister's way of speaking Vietnamese. She just yeah. speaks English in a Vietnamese accent. Yeah, yeah, like people tell me I speak Spanish or I speak Tagalog, but with the accent in English, and I think it's kind of cool. And actually, one time in class, I was reading uh, an excerpt out loud, and a student, <laughs> it's, this is a funny situation, so I hope you guys laugh, but a student goes, 
can you repeat that? Your accent was too thick. I couldn't understand you. <laughs> and in that moment, I was just like, what I read just came out in English, right? <laughs> like I was making sure I didn't accidentally translate it into another language. And I was like confused. I was just like, huh? And then like everyone was just looking at me and started giggling. And he's just like, your accent was really, really thick and I couldn't hear you. And I was just like, oh, my bad. So like I read it again mm-hmm. and it was fine. But I kind of thought that was a little bit of like a silly situation because I was just like, that could happen. Like yeah. an accent can be so thick to where you don't really understand what you're saying. But I don't know when I like I can hear myself talking to the ear to the earphones right now, and I feel like I'm speaking normally, you know. But then like I hear myself talking back on a video. I'm gonna hear myself talking back on this podcast and just be like, "Wow, maybe you do have a slightly thick <laughs> accent." Well, honestly, I would say I would be proud of that. Honestly, yeah, because I feel like it is like, something to be proud about. Oh yeah, for sure. I think when I was in Taiwan, one of the uh, laobans or like the store owners came and just was like, told my mom and me, "It's like, are you from? Are you a native speaker? Because you sound like you're Taiwanese. Like you don't sound like that's a you're com- from- that's a flex. That's a compliment. I was like, oh my gosh, really? I've only been here for a month, and you think that? <laughs> <laughs> so I feel definitely. like with that, it's also uh, adapting to the culture. Yeah, adapting mm-hmm. to culture so easily when you're around it. Uh, it kind of starts to uh, engrave into you, you know? Like you said, you visited Taiwan, only there for a month, and already they thought you were a native speaker, or you were already from there. Funny story. I was also learning th- uh, th- or Chinese when I was in Taiwan. So that makes sense. Living See? in the yep. room, dorms with other um, Americans, actually, apparently one time when the person was checking in on me, they said I... Because uh, they do, like, a check and make sure that everyone's in the dorms. Someone, apparently one of my roommates said that I responded in Chinese while I was sleeping because I was just so tired. (laughs) (laughs) So, I don't know. I think that I thought that was pretty funny, but it's such a big part of language, food, family. I think that's really a big part of just all our Asian cultures, I would say. Food, of course. (laughs) Food, of course. (laughs) Yes. Gotta love the food. Like, okay, I'm I'm not even gonna lie, like, I just, I think that Asian food's the best. Oh, like, yeah. It, it is. Down. It's the best. Because there's slaps. so many different versions of a dish, mm-hmm. so many different versions of a drink. Oh, my goodness. Amazing. So boba. good. <laughs> boba, yes. Bacid like boba addiction. Yes. yes. Like, I love going to get boba. I love going to pho restaurants. Yes. My yes. Uncle Kenny used to own one, and let me tell you, super. Oh, so, so good. good. Shrimp spring rolls are my favorite. Uh, oh, so good. So good. Yeah. Did you guys have lunch yet? <laughs> Uh, I have not. Have not. Oh. I had part of a butternut squash this morning. Oh. That, that kind of sounds good. good. Yeah. It was, Roasted? It was pretty good. Roasted? Texture was okay. Roasted? In the oven, I yeah. guess. Yeah, that's roasted. Yeah. yeah. A All little right. bit baked. Well. Is it time for lunch? <laughs> it might be. It's one forty. One forty-six. I would want to touch on one more subject. Um, yes. That being, um, has anyone... Has your family just, like, because you were talking about, like, uh, word of affirmation, for example, or, like, quality time. Mm -hmm. Has your parents ever said to you, like, I'm proud of you? Because that is something that my dad has been saying to me, and it's like... Tui, you can go first. I was like, what? (laughs) Yesterday, after the the mass, right, Mm -hmm. you texted me, Tui, I'm so proud of you, and I started crying. Oh, Oh my god. I was like, and it's not that I don't hear it, it's just like... Oh man, she really is proud of me. Ah! Yeah. But oh. oh my god. Oh, oh my god, Tweet, no. <laughs> this is just the crying podcast. Oh. But honestly, Wait. you are like an older sister, Emma. You have such uh, like you have older that. sister. Yeah. 
strong older sister. Yes, I'm here yes. for the vibe. I, I will I will mother my friends. Yes, you do mother your friends. Oh my goodness. You are the mom friend. Yeah. Yes. I am, yeah. Honestly, I relate to Emma on that. People call me the mom of the group because I have yeah. contact solution no. in my bag. I always have oh my gosh. gum. Oh my I've got gosh. everything in that bag. But yeah. Where's your first aid kit, Adelina? <laughs> in my locker. But, oh, but yeah, wow. I feel like with the older generations, how they say I love you is cutting up a bowl of oranges. Like I, my grandma oh, yeah. does that yeah. all the time. She just cuts me fruit. My dad, my parents know the way to like, like say sorry or to mm-hmm. say I love you. So just take me out to eat pho or just yeah. take oh, yeah. me out to eat. Food is but, the way to the heart. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like that's also just an Asian thing too. I just feel like ver- verbally... No, verbally. It's just, like, all about food, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's just, all, like... Mm-hmm. Yeah. They f- they show love physically I f- more than... Mm-hmm. Really? I, or you mean through actions, through rather? Action, not physically. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They beat you as a... I love you! Yeah. But, <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, just hearing that from you the other day, I was like... Ugh. Oh, yeah, I saw that text. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'm so proud of you. I didn't know you were doing that either. It was, it was a surprise. And I'm so proud that of you for being able to come up there because, one, it's scary to talk in front of people. The whole school, Especially in another language. Mm-hmm. That's the second part. I was part. terrified. Yeah. I was like, well, one, I was proud. I'm like, okay, I'm going to expose these people to Vietnamese. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everyone then, in my class started clapping. Like, yeah. after you were done, I started clapping, and then everyone else followed me, and I was just uh, like, go to me! Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you. Yes. But, yeah, I'm proud of you. That's like a, that's like a hard, it hits home. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, Did I anyone agree. see that meme from Shang-Chi, where the mom says, I'm proud oh, of it's you? it's like the yeah. most unrealistic thing in yeah. Shang-Chi. She told her son that she was proud of him. Yeah. I'm so proud of you, yep. Yep, I agree with that. My par- uh, For me, my parents don't necessarily say they're proud of me but like you know tweet they do it through actions Mm -hmm. so uh actually the other night i got accepted into william desert like i mentioned earlier thank you um and i just felt like uh my mom wasn't proud of me because uh for me i i like to honestly i don't even know if i'm more of like you know like uh, there's kids and they're like, oh, you're like, oh, you know, mommy's little girl, daddy's little girl. Uh, I'm connected to both my parents, but if you were to really know my sister and I on a personal level, my sister is my dad's twin, and then I'm my mom's twin. Mm. Like I like identical with <laughs> the attitude <laughs> or just the way that you handle situations. Like I am dead on like my mother, mm-hmm. and. I feel like it's more easier for my mom and I to click and get along, and then it's easier for my sister and my dad to click mm-hmm. and get along. Uh, my mom c- came home from work the other night, and I was sitting at my desk in my room, you know, d- getting some homework done, getting ready for finals this week, and I just started breaking down crying at my desk. She opened my door. She was just like, are you crying? And I was just like, no, and started, like, wiping yeah. my face. <laughs> and I turned around. She's just like, oh, no, Miha, what's wrong? And I was just like, mommy, I feel like you're not proud of me. I was just like, oh. I've gotten into you know, four out of four schools so far. And I was just like, I feel like because you're working all the time and then, you know, you're busy with uh, doing all these other things. And then also at the time when I slowly started to get my uh, my college essays and my applications in, uh, it was around the time of my sister's quinceanera. It hadn't mm-hmm. had happened yet. So mm-hmm. both my parents and all my family were just focused on my sister. And for me, I'm a person to where I will feel like I did something and I will 
I will feel proud of myself when other people are proud of me. Yeah. When I can see that other people have recognized my accomplishment, then that's when I will feel accomplished myself. So, that's I how I am. Seek validation, but yes, you I. Do. Yeah. It's it's kind of a toxic thing, but I. I seek validation from people and that's when I know that I wholeheartedly I did my job correctly and I did not hear I'm proud of you or congratulations from my mom yet so I broke down to her I was honest to her about it and we just stood in my room and back and back and forth in the kitchen for like an hour of her just hugging me and holding me telling me like I know I haven't shown it but I really am proud of you and like you know you've come a long way and like it's making me emotional talking about it but it was the first time in four or five years that I had heard my mom be genuine and say, mm -hmm. you know, I'm proud of you and for your accomplishments. She's just like, look at everything that you're doing for your ancestors. Look at everything that you're doing for your grandpa, all your relatives that have passed away. And then she was telling me and she's just like, you, you have surpassed, you know, what I have done. She's just like, you haven't surpassed what I've done in a lifetime because, I mean, my mom has accomplished a lot going from being a backup dancer to all these famous singers. Mm -hmm. uh, she went to Juilliard. Wow. She does all these. She has her own business. I mean, props to her. she's a girl boss for real. <laughs> um, but I just always want to strive to be like her. And I felt like I hadn't done that yet. I'm going to turn 18 in less than a month. Oh my gosh. And I feel like I had felt like my, my mom was not proud of me. The one woman that I look up to mostly in my life, the one woman that I look to for all advice, anything, everything, I felt like she wasn't proud of me and I felt like I didn't do my job and I didn't succeed. But she came to me and she's just like, I am beyond proud of you. She's just like, you You tend to fall and slip with your grades or you'll tend to fall and slip and get caught into drama. But she's just like, I can say confidently, so far in your senior year, it's only been halfway, but she's just like, you have made me proud in so many ways that I it makes me speechless. She goes, you amaze me every single day, which really, really hit me. And it, it made me cry even more because for you to actually hear I'm proud of you or for you to actually hear like... Uh, that something you did genuinely mattered in a family, especially for, you know, Asian family, you know, it, it, it makes you feel emotional because you don't get that kind of attention on like maybe some other kids in some other households. Yeah, I would say it's like an unspoken word mm -hmm. almost. Same with I'm proud of you or I love you. That sort of validation yeah. is yeah. not spoken. And It's I not think... that it's not given either. Oh, yeah. It's just given sure. in different ways. Yeah. So I think it's really powerful for all of us. Um, and I would hope that it's also equally powerful and meaningful to the others yes um, that have i think it is it. yeah it's just you know some people like to show it in different ways yeah, yeah. like when you texted me i was like i was so caught off guard i was <laughs> like she's really proud of me ah! yeah, so, yeah. You've, done, you've done a lot of great things you have done us. a lot especially for so only much. being a sophomore yeah, i know you have yeah. done so much <laughs> Thank you guys. And let me just mention guys really quickly everyone who's listening to the podcast and the people sitting in this room every time i see twee in the hallway Literally, I, I'll just be like, hi, Tweet. She'll be like, oh my gosh, hi, Adelina. And I swear, it literally makes my day. <laughs> yeah, just seeing your yeah. cute little face, smile through your glasses and your mask. It's so adorable. I, I, I love it. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm glad I, I, I make your day. Cause yes. Yeah. It makes, it makes my day. Tweet for president. Well. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, thank you. Just yes. Tweet, like, just like, oh, I'm just dying for <laughs> But I'm glad. Yes. I, I don't see you too often, but like, anytime I do, I'm like, hi. Yes, <laughs> or when I see you in a lunchroom, you know, sometimes we just so happily walk next to each other. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes. 
Well, I think that kind of wraps up the podcast. Shout out to this all is so fun. I know. Thank you, yeah. Mr. Lordy. Thank you for having <laughs> us. Comfortable talking this is, to you yeah. guys. Set a record for the longest podcast yet. At oh, an hour and eighteen minutes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, I would say a few final things. Uh, shout out to Mr. Lordy for having us on yes. the podcast. Snaps. Uh, shout out to all of our ACA members and Poly Club members. Yes. Uh, we're so happy to have you guys, and we're excited for all the future events and. We hope that we can still keep continuing to bring that inclusive community to you guys and you guys feel safe. Yes. And also keep in mind, you don't have to be Asian. You don't have to be Hawaiian, Polynesian, Chinese, Japanese. Like I, we, we all mentioned earlier, you know, no matter what your ethnic background is, no matter what color your skin is, you are always welcomed in our community. Mm-hmm. Just some shout-outs to all the students out there looking for a sense of belonging because wherever you are, you're going to find... A group of people and we hope that we can help with that but if not you're gonna find your way yes so yeah we were once those students at yes. was some point. yes yeah. and coming from hopefully two seniors you know you're gonna go through trials you're gonna go through yes. you know errors but you will find your way i can assure you that yeah anything you want to mention mr lordy nope thank you thank All you right. thank you that was great. cool Stories from the Heart, a podcast produced here at 4315 Martin Luther King Boulevard, Sacramento, California, 95820. Stories from the Heart is a production within the Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, and Belonging program here at Christian Brothers. As the place to be, Falcons are first friends to each other. We hold each other accountable. Love does not tolerate everything that a person does, yet love exists beyond our mistakes. We are leaders representing our community on and off our campus. We have a commitment to learning and service that extends beyond graduation and continues long after. We are organized and active in our application of our five core principles. Falcons welcome the light of the new dawn. Centered in Christ, we soar towards a new horizon. A sign of our faith is faith to be seeking understanding while becoming a living witness the holy presence of God in our lives. Some norms for our conversations. We will acknowledge our lens and use I statements. We will acknowledge that bias exists. I do not own truth. We are here out of goodwill, and we seek an open and honest climate. We make mistakes. We're not experts. We are practitioners. <laughs>